Welcome to the Halftime Chat with me, Sim Gessi, in the change room made just for you by BrightRock. Have you ever tried something new? Have you ever let go of what you've spent most of your life working for and decided to choose another path? In this episode, I speak to a former 100 and 200 meter South African champion, Alyssa Conley, about swapping the track for a rugby ball. Ah, I've got your attention now, right? Alyssa's story from athletics to sevens rugby is all about change and doing the unconventional even when it's hard. All right, so they call you AC Speedster. That's the nickname for you, right? Yeah, that's my track nickname. The track nickname. So it's pretty incredible. I'm looking at your CV right now. It's in front of me. And usually I can memorize people's CVs, but yours is pretty mind-blowing. Former 100 meters and 200 meter SA champion. Won double two years in a row. That's 2016-2017. Rio Olympian. (laughs) Gold medalist, four by 100 meter also Africa Games, silver medalist. Wow, silver, you have done some incredible work. Congratulations for you. But you've been Thank affected you. by a lot of injuries, yeah. right? And how has that treated your confidence when you do anything in your life? I mean, you know, in the beginning when I was affected with the injuries, I had a lot of doubt. You know, I wasn't really confident. But I just reached a point where I realized that I have to push through and create new limits for myself in terms of injuries. And once I reach that point, I do everything at 100%. Now, I don't go into a challenge thinking about injury. Mm. I don't go into a different sport or a different thing thinking about injury. I just do it. You know, because the interesting thing, if, if you've never been a sports person, a lot of people don't understand this, but na- sometimes naturally your mind overcompensates for the leg or the injury or the, the particular injury that you have. And a lot of the times it's not even you, it's your body just trying to protect the particular place. I had a knee injury yeah. and I, I couldn't step on my right hand side for a little while mm-hmm. until I convinced my body that, hey, that knee is fine, let it go. Um, what advice do you have for anyone who's going through injuries or recovery or anything like that? Yeah, I've had my time. I mean, it took me four years to get back to, you know, full speed. And in that time, obviously, I was battling with a lot of injuries, hip operation, and it was more mental thing to get back. And I, I saw one of my doctors and he was like, look, Alyssa, we've tried everything. So you basically just got to push through the pain now and create new limits. So like you said, it's, it's your mind. Your mind creates that limitation that, oh, my gosh, I have to stop now because I'm feeling a little twiggle or a little, you know, a little niche. But Agreed. I think... If you push past that point, you'll create a new limit. Mm. And every time by creating a new limit, you'll eventually just, you know, build the strength again. All right. So I'm sure if anyone is listening, they're wondering, Siv, why are you speaking to a sprinter, an athlete? Why are you, why are you not speaking to someone in rugby? Now, if you didn't know, so you were approached by Paul Dalport, who's been a friend of mine since grade eight. Tell him I say hi. I've known him for years, an incredible rugby player. And they approached you to join the women's sevens team. So you're like the Isles of South Africa, because if you, if you know Isles, one of the, the, not one of the fastest uh, rugby player in the world and he was part of athletics as well and he was approached by the sevens people to get involved in the system so you yeah. went from spikes to rugby boots tell us about yeah. that change that transformation that is that is a different entire different world tell us about that process and how it happened it's been crazy like i wake up every morning thinking i'm in a dream but <laughs> then i have to go train and it's back to reality so um, basically, Paul approached me and, you know, obviously just said that if ever I'm interested, I should come out then and, and try with the squad, you know, just do a week of training. And I thought it was absolutely crazy because I've never played team sport in my life. 
Um, I never touched rugby ball, so how am I going to get this done? So I, at first I said no, but I told him I'll introduce him to a few girls that I think might be interested in. Later on, I just decided I needed a new challenge in life. I needed something, you know, that's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And I accepted and I came through to one of the camps and it's been really tough. But the girls are really supportive and they're helping me through the training sessions, giving me some skills, giving me some tips. So, yeah, we'll get there eventually. Okay. So, for me, you are used to running in straight lines. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna do another name drop. Very good friends with Wade Fenikak, and the time when Wade Fenikak <laughs> was injured on the rugby field, he was right mm-hmm. behind me, about maybe half a meter behind me when it happened. How is your yeah. body getting used to the change of moving r- right, moving left, stepping, and going around? How's the, the the change been? Because it's 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 totally you guys. You're not built for running in different. You're built to running straight. Tell yeah. me about that change. It's been tough because, I mean, I've been a sprinter for 21 years. So it's like my body is programmed in a, in a certain way, you know, just straight line running. And now to have to develop new movement patterns at the age of 28, that's mm. absolutely insane. I always say I wish there was just like a chip that I could insert into my into my motherboard, my brain, and it would just adapt. But I think, you know, just with maintenance, getting physio, um, you know, being watched by the SNC, you know, making sure that I'm doing enough loading, um, you know, I'm doing certain movements, but supervised movements. Mm. It's it's helping. Um, obviously, I won't get injured that way. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's but it's it's really tough. Like muscles that I never knew existed are uh, having to work and wake up and. That's crazy. So you jumped in the deep end. I, I was told by the the men's physio uh, and, and athletic. No, the um, what's it called? The what do you say? Uh, the, who's the guy who trains them? Who gets them fit again? Like the the the, the, the SMC. Yeah, yeah. SMC. I, I was speaking to the ones the men's the men's one, and he was saying if you go yeah. from 15s rugby to sevens. Mm-hmm. At yeah. the top fitness at 15s to get to sevens is, is six weeks extra. Of, yeah. of fitness. So you went into the deep end. How is yeah. the fitness going? How is that going? Because it's, it's a next, because the thing is, what people don't understand about rugby fitness, it's not just about like running a, a, a marathon. It's about the ups, the downs, ups, the downs. You get knocked down, you mm-hmm. get back up again. So it's so different to any other fitness in the world. Tell us about that yeah. because you, you're playing on a field that you're supposed to be diff- having 15 people on your team and then you have seven. Mm-hmm. How's that yeah. going? <laughs> That has been the biggest challenge, to be honest. I mean, everybody asks about the contact and the tackling, you know, and being tackled and getting a hit. But I think that that is so much easier than the actual fitness. Yep. The fitness is insane. Which, I mean, yesterday I did a session and I had to run 10 340s, 340 meters around the field, um, 10 of them. And then after that I had to do sprawls and tackle a bag for a minute four times and I'm like what the heck is going on so it's been absolutely crazy so I think that is honestly to be honest that's my biggest challenge um I am getting fitter I mean I think I probably went from a one liter engine and I'm maybe bordering 1.2 now Mm. (laughs) so I still have lots of work to do to get you know 1.6 into the two liter engine but we're working that's good all right so the another thing I'm going to go back to athletics uh, mm-hmm. the discipline that's involved in athletics compared to the discipline that's involved in sevens. Tell us about the difference between those. 
I mean, in, in any sport, you need to be disciplined if you want to make it at a high level. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if it's individual or if it's a team sport. There has to be discipline or else you're just not going to get there. Um, but now, obviously, within team sport, there comes the whole factor of you don't want to let down your teammates and you have a specific role. Whereas individual sports, is if you're not going to do what you need to do, you're just going to let down yourself. Mm. So um, it's obviously now teammates are relying on you to do what you need to do and to be at the level that you need to be at so that the team can progress. So definitely um, more expectations, more discipline, more pressure, I would believe. But I think in individual and team sports, the only way to get to the top is to be disciplined. Um, I hear Omani Bobo is involved in, in, in involved with you somehow. Let's explain that. How is Bobo involved? That's another great human, unbelievable human. Yeah, I've been I've been super lucky to just meet all these people and, and work and learn from them. Um, so I came to my first camp and I realized, you know, that obviously camps only happen maybe once every six weeks, maybe longer, once every eight weeks. So um, a lot of the work had to be done back home. And I on, by me only touching rugby ball in April, I, I had to learn the basic skills, catching, passing, those type of things. So I met up with Salom Kavo, who used to play for the goal, for the Lions. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was working with Mbani Bobo on their shadow ball project. And he basically said to me, look, Alyssa, you know, it's an incredible story and we'd like to help you as much as possible. And they um, started helping me with the shadow ball program. And that's how I met him and started working with him. Oh man, you if you have Bobo in your you have Paul Delport in your side, you have Bobo in your side. I think it I look forward to what it. can go wrong. What <laughs> can go wrong? Bobo is an incredible human. Tell us about your targets and your goals when it comes to this, because I know when it comes to sport, it's all about targets, goals, and to get to that target and goal, you know what you need to do. What are your targets and yeah. goals, short term and long term? In rugby and yeah. anything. Yeah, so short term um, in rugby, you know, I think that I've probably hit one of them, and that's just to make the squad that's going to the Africa Cup in Tunisia, where we have to qualify for um, the 2020 Olympics. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's happening in October, and then we have Dubai Series in December, as well as Cape Town Series in December. Oh, I'll so see you there, girl. Short-term. I'll see you there, girl. You'll see me there. So that's all short term for me to just, like, you know, play the games and get fit get game experience, first of all, because, I mean, that'll be, I mean, Africa Cup will be one of my first big tournaments, Um, you know, so just get into it. And then, obviously, next year, 2020 Olympics, that's what the team is working towards. Uh, We don't just want to, you know, go there, we want to participate, we want to give them a challenge. So that is what we're going to really work hard for. And, you know, besides just in rugby, the reason I made the switch as well is just to begin an advocate for women in sports, you know, to show the young girls that if I can make a switch from athletics and individual sports to a team sport that's at high demand, and if I can, you know, turn it into a success, which I'm still working towards, then they shouldn't give up on their dreams and goals because a lot of the girls aren't aren't following through um, with their sporting dreams because they just feel like there's no future. Mm. 
Yeah, and I definitely think uh, being a female sportsman is, is very, very difficult because we need, we need the sponsors to get on board. We need the television yeah. people to get on board. More people need to be watching female sports. Just like uh, the, mm-hmm. this, the, this year with the World Cup female soccer, that for me, I made, really preferred the female soccer than I did the male soccer. Yeah. It was just fierce. Yeah. So you're quite a role yeah. model for the young. Um, and what kind of message do you have for the young as a role model for them? Because it doesn't matter if you don't call yourself a role model, but you are a role model to many young females and many uh, male sportsmen as well. Yeah, but I aspire to be that too. But, um, you know, I would always say, like, you're the only person that can make the difference and be the change, especially in South African sport. I feel like the males get it. They, they do it very well where they motivate each other and they mentor each other very well. And I just want women to do that as well. I want women to mentor other women, you know, um, help them achieve their goals and their dreams. And I always say, uh, you're your only limit. And what your, what your mouth speaks, your mind believes and your body achieves. So just always be positive. Always set yourself up, you know, to achieve greatness instead of failure. And yeah, I just want to encourage other ladies out there in the sporting industry that has achieved greatness just to mentor younger ladies. Like, let's like just build them up and show them what is possible and help them achieve their dreams. Wow, I totally, totally agree. Um, I think a lot of sportsmen, their biggest secret is the people that they surround themselves with. And uh, I definitely think it's quite an inspiring uh, thing that the young need to be able to see that it's possible. Let's go back to athletics. How did your journey for athletics even begin? Sure, what a long journey. (laughs) So um, basically growing up, I I watched Marion Jones at... At the Olympics and Marion Jones I before fell. the drugs, before the drugs, right? Before Marion Jones before be- the before the drugs, <laughs> not during before. Okay, sure. Yes, yes, before. And I obviously just fell in love with the sport. You know, I fell in love with her performance on track, just how she dominated. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Started training. My parents were very invested in my athletics and. It was always just a dream. Like, you know, people ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? And I was just like an Olympian. Mm. And I just started working really hard. And um, athletics was the sport that I excelled in, school level, and as well as provincial level, and then eventually national level. Okay. So that was, it was always my dream to be an Olympian and, and to dominate the track. And I don't know, there was just a special feeling that I got on track. Like racing and winning races was, was such a surreal feeling. And all the work that you put in and all of a sudden you just cross that finish line and you've just dominated. It was amazing. Um, so, yeah, that was my passion and that was my love for track. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. For me, I'm not sure if you understand this, but you have the potential to really, really do wonders in sevens rugby because if you play – like I've seen a lot of people convert from athletics from other sports mm-hmm. into uh, sevens and th- amazing showreels on YouTube and it looks unbelievably amazing. Have you taken yeah. a moment? Have you watched Isles's uh, highlights reel? Have you seen what is possible if you just believe? Because I can tell you one thing: I've seen Americans who've come who who have known nothing about rugby convert themselves into rugby players and in no time be world class players. Do you know the yeah. potential that is in there for what you can do? I definitely do, and I definitely watch Isles and uh, Baker and all of these guys. Even Portia Woodman, I mean, even though she was in rugby, but she's one of the fastest. Um, and, you know, Ilya uh, Green, she was in track, but she converted at a very young age. So I've done my research to see 
you know, what's out there and which athletes have converted and what they're doing, who's the fastest woman on the field right now and taking out my competition, et cetera. Are you faster than yeah. them? Yeah. Are you faster than them? I'm on track, yes, for sure. On, so, on the rugby field, I'm going to be as well. <laughs> so on track, so on the rugby field, you are the, you could be the fastest woman on the field. Could I this could be possible? Be. It's possible. Anything is possible. And that's definitely what I'm working for. And I would love to get that title at the 2020 Olympics that I'm the fastest woman on the field. And yes. um, that would be amazing. So okay. that, that's the goal. There it is, girl. There it is. Here's something I want to chat with you. So I've played rugby since I was four years old, right? Yes. To a person yes. who's just joined rugby, who's actually been definitely going to high levels faster than most people could be get to rugby. Mm-hmm. What part of rugby are you finding the hardest? Because for me, if I catch a ball, I'm like, cool, I just caught a ball without thinking. Up and under, catch yeah. a ball, you know, right, putting the ball in the right arm. Which little nitpicky little things are you finding the most difficult, apart from fitness, apart from the contact? Deceleration, for yes. sure. I mean, as a track athlete, you you taught to run flat out over the line, don't stop five meters after the line. You know, that's what people preach to you all the time. Um, so you cross the line at full pace. Don't decelerate fast. So deceleration has been really hard. Um, chopping my steps as well, like quicker, shorter steps, has also been very hard because as an athlete, also your strides are really big, long, and powerful. So in defense, over-tracking um, the attack is something that I'm also struggling with. Uh, so yeah, those nitty-gritty things, like, you know, just, sure, it's, it's really hard. Hmm. Okay, the biggest change, so you, the injuries were difficult for you, but what has been the biggest change, would you say, in your entire life? Hmm, biggest change? From, from athletics to rugby? Would you say that's the biggest change you've had, or would you say it's been more? It's been more hard to go from non from not not being injured to injury and then you know recovery. What do you think would be is more difficult, recovering from an injury or the swap from rugby from athletics to rugby? I think mentally it's both really tough. Um, Definitely being injured my first time when I had to go for my hip hop because I wanted to be an Olympian in 2012 already. But a hip hop, I read that. How is a 20 something yeah. year old getting a hip hop? Tell us about that. Yeah, so it's an overuse injury basically. I injured myself in 2009 at the Africa uh, Junior Africa Champs in Mauritius. I started off with a third degree hamstring tear and moved all the way up into a, a hip issue and I had to go um, for a hip hop. Basically, I, I mean, because I started running when I was four years old, right? So I got a lot of mileage on these legs. <laughs> so basically, I've suffered from overuse injuries. And it was, yeah, I had to go for the operation in 2011. But I was well on my way to qualifying for the 2012 London Olympics until that happened. So for me, the disappointment of not being able to qualify for the 2012 Olympics and go for the operation and be out of performance, it was it was crazy. It took me about four years to get wow. back to speed. In four um, years, like, did you gain weight? Did your body change in four years? Yeah. When I when I started, I basically stopped. So I went for the operation in 2011, and in 2012, I tried to run again, but it just didn't go well. So I stopped in 2012. So 2013 and 2014, I was just living. I was, I forgot about sports. I didn't interact with any athletes or any sportsmen. I was just living. I found a job. You know, I was partying. Doing what? What job were you doing? Were you living like, my best life? What job were you doing had, as a sprinter? 
better capital job. <laughs> so I started off as a, a fitness instructor at the UJ gym. And okay. while being a fitness instructor, I got a lecturing job in the education department. I did that for one semester. I absolutely hated it, so I quit. And then I eventually worked for Nike in the marketing department. Um yeah, as a, as a product specialist. And that is where I think working closely with athletes like Casta and Tumelenkuna and Mapaseka, you know, I realized that I'm on the wrong side and I need to get back to my dream, mm. you know. And and then I decided to look for a coach in 2014. I found Morna Nako, my track coach, and the first thing he said to me was, you overweight. Mm. That's mm. the first mm. thing he said. He was like... Ladies love hearing that, eh? Yeah, you exactly. are fat. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you've got to drop 10 kgs. I was like, 10 kgs. So basically, I trained the entire 2015, January right through to December. I just trained. I didn't race. I didn't do anything. I just trained. And my first race back was January 2016. Wow. Yeah. So So it's been crazy. So you've hit rock bottom in, in, in a sportsman's like world. You've hit your rock bottom and you made your way up. Do you yeah. think that's going to help you with sevens rugby? I think so. I think so because I've had to experience disappointment. I've had to experience, you know, being left out of the world champs 2017. I was part of the 12 athletes that was just left at home for no good reason after qualifying. Um, so I've, I've experienced a lot of things within my track career that mm. definitely makes me stronger and prepared for, for what team sport can throw at me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think um, that will it will definitely help me in this transition. So, in my eyes, you are the master of change because you have converted from one thing to another, and you've done it effortlessly. Please tell us how you deal with change in your life. I don't know about effortlessly because I'm still in the process, <laughs> and it's hard. Um, I think I think I say effortlessly because it's the same as when you're going to jump into a cold pool. The hardest part yeah, yeah. is jumping in. The rest yeah. you have to deal with. True story. Well, that's a good way of looking at it. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, you know, being an athlete, I had to deal with change from moving from one coach to another, you know, training in a different province or different country or um you know, you have to adapt immediately. There's no time to still mope around or think twice or worry about it. You just have to adapt if you want to get this. So I think that that has helped me um, with this transition and with this change. A lot of people still refer to me as a sprinter. And I said to them, I'm not a sprinter anymore. I have to be a rugby player now. So I have to switch that mindset. You know, I can't use the fact that I come from sprinting and that's my back. If I want to be a rugby player, I've got to get into that attitude and that role and that character. So I think that that has helped me to adjust and adapt quickly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Isn't a sprinter's prime and peak? Isn't it a 25 up? Like, are you not, you should be at your prime and your peak of athletics. Aren't people asking you why did you make this change when you, you could be at your peak right now? A lot of people. A lot of people were very surprised, very disappointed, you know, telling me that I'm quitting and, that it's my time to shine in athletics now. But they don't realize that that's generalization, that the females are supposed to peak between 25 and 32, but I've actually been running for 21 years, mm. you know? So if you look at it in that way, then, I mean, other females that are 25 to 30 only 
have only been running for six years or for yeah. five years or less. But I've had 21 years of racing in me. And I think that they have to take that into consideration as well. Um, mm. So, I mean, I don't feel, I don't think it's quitting. I think it's just, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve in athletics. And now I'm switching and yeah. I'm seeing what else I have and what other talents or abilities I have that I can achieve in as well. And then I'm going to be devil advocate again. So athletics is getting a lot of attention. Akani, yeah. Wade, uh, Custa. Custa. Do you think you left at a time when athletics was getting the attention that it deserves? Mm, I think they have it under control. You know, I think they're doing a good job. And I think that my switch could possibly bring it more attention to female rugby. Okay. You know, and if anything, that would also fulfill one of my goals. Agreed. You know what I mean? So, I mean, if I have, I've always loved the underdog. And I feel like Nepal is getting the attention now. Cricket is good. Um, football is good. So now let's, let's get attention on rugby as well. Let's show females that they can play rugby. You know, they don't have to be characterized as butch or, you know, sort of manly sport. They can also play rugby. So, I think that I, I make the joke. I've been racing for 21 years. I've, I'm an Olympian, but the minute I announced the switch, there was so much more interest in not only my rugby switch, but also my track career as well. Mm. So I think it has its pros and cons. Agreed. So who's your biggest influence in rugby? Who's your biggest mm-hmm. influence in athletics? And who's your biggest influence in life in general? Okay. Biggest influence in life is my sister, definitely. Um, she's my role model. I think we, like all siblings, we had a love-hate relationship growing up. And eventually, you know, we're just uh, inseparable now. You know, we've supported each other. We have the same type of ambition and same type of goals. And if it wasn't for her, I don't think I would be where I'm at. She also helped me after my operation just to get back on track and to get my mind back into the game and to believe in myself again. So in life, definitely my sister. Um, In athletics, I look up to a woman like Alison Felix, who I feel is very underrated for the amount of jewelry she has coming from world champs and Olympics. Um, She's the height. She's got like over 20 medals, um, gold medals from all champs and Olympics and she's just undefeatable but so underrated so I really look up to her because she's very humble as well and she she really advocates for women in sport as well in rugby mm, that's a tough one um I really look up to someone like Brian Abena and you know his career and what he's achieved for South Africa and what he's doing post post career as well you know, I really like the work that he's doing still within the industry and in the sporting environment. And that's what I that's what I love is when um, athletes don't just, you know, look for themselves in their careers and it's done, but they give back as well. So definitely Brian. But I mean, he was the speedster as well, so I could learn a lot from him. To move on to a topic that's not sport related. Yes. Women in this country are really being treated very, very badly. It's in a, it's in a state mm-hmm. that we really need to change. And I think it's quite important for very influential people like you, uh, men who are influential, to speak out. What are your views of what's happening in the country with all the murders and rape in this country? Because it's, it's really happening to women. And we actually had another uh, championship boxer who was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. 
and and it brings it really to, it makes it it makes it feel at like it's happening with people we know what are your views on what's happening it's so sad i mean you know we we blame it on xenophobia and we blame it on foreigners but it's actually our own people that are that are doing this to our women you know so we hide behind all these shields and stuff by by trying to shift the blame but we're not dealing with our own people so it's it's very sad and i like the fact that we're finally speaking out um you know influencers and people of um influential people that are speaking out and standing up for for the ladies but it comes down to teaching core values you know and i think that people really need to infiltrate into the rural areas and into our communities and even into the suburbs and just build build like communities where we teach young men how to treat women and young women how to treat men you know and i think it's a, it's a unfortunately we have to target the men but it's a dual gender thing where females have responsibilities as mothers to teach their sons how to respect women and vice versa fathers to teach their daughters how to respect men you know so it's a really it's a, it's a very troubling time in South Africa but I think if we all stand up together as one nation and we pray for the country um you know things can change I must be honest I don't pray but with the state of our nation I'm even thinking of praying at the moment I must be honest yeah. um yeah we need, definitely we need that some, intervention something needs to be done okay it's quite easy for me to ask sportsmen all the time what is your career highlight and a lot of people give us like cliche like when I won that one moment when I crossed that line but sometimes people's career highlights are not medals or coming first what is a career highlight for you mm, I actually have quite a few but um, one that I always think about is, and it's, it's strange because it's not even the major championships but I was running um, SA Champs as a young scout, I think I was maybe like 12 or 13. Okay. And it was probably Bloemfontein, if I remember correctly. What a beautiful place. Bloom you know, the best thing to come out yeah, of Bloemfontein is uh, Wade for Nikak and uh, Roses. I don't know what else good came out of there. <laughs> good combination. <laughs> so, yeah, I was racing in one of those, those, those places and my entire family decided to pull up in in a in a van, my granddad, my grandma, my uncles, my aunts, my cousins and I think I don't even know if I was running a hundred meter or eighty meter or one fifty meter, but just having them all there was absolutely amazing. And I actually had competition. There was one girl who who was beating me in the heat in the semifinals. And before the finals my, my cousin and my sister just came to have a chat with me and to pray with me and and I was like, Okay, I'm gonna do this for my family and I raced and I won the race and the first person I saw was my late granddad, you know, in the in the audience, and he was just so proud of me. And I think that it's just those small moments that make everything so worth it. And that's what I go back to every time I need some inspiration and motivation just to work hard, is the fact that he was so proud of me and he just wanted the best for me. For a second there, I thought you meant that you won, and then you saw your late grandfather, who was already dead, and then you saw him in the audience. No, so, so, so I was like, wait a minute. I you think you should have been tested. You should have been tested for that race because you're hallucinating. Uh, no, but it's definitely a like, great moment. He was alive then. Yeah. Okay, now, okay, cool. I get that, I get it. I'm sure he'll be very, yeah, very proud of you. There were many of those moments, you know, where, I mean, coming out of injury, a four-year injury, and, and beating Karina Warren at the national champs in Stellenbosch. Absolutely surreal. Um, just because every I was the underdog, you know, and nobody really expected me to come back and, and win the national champs, especially against a great athlete like Karina. 
in and I, and I made it possible. So there was a lot of moments like that, but definitely when it comes to family, those moments are the best. For me, you're the perfect epitome of taking knocks and not staying down and getting right back up and really, really embracing Thanks, change, transformation and doing, taking the challenges. I look forward to meeting you in person in December and I look forward to seeing what things you're going to do. I look forward to seeing your highlights, real girl. <laughs> Thank you. I'll work hard. I'll work hard for a good one. You have no choice. And I'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for the chat. And that was Halftime Chat with me, Serving Essie, in the change room made just for you by BrightRock, the first ever needs match life insurance that changes as your life changes. For more episodes, subscribe to In the Change Room on Iona FM, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen.